Welcome back to In the Loop on WCRX FM 88.1 Chicago. I'm Louise Nets, and I'm here with my co-host Yasmin Shika. Today we're going to fill you in on some of the headlines of the past week. We also have an interview with the creators of a photo project featuring people's orgasm faces just in time for Valentine's Day. And we sit down with members of the Chicago band Indigo Flood. So what happened this week? Well, a lot happened this week, Louise. Why don't we start off with the Oscars? Um, Parasite won Best Picture, making Oscar history as the first non-English speaking film to win Best Picture. And the Oscar goes to Parasite. Parasite has six Academy Award nominations and is the first film not in the English language to win Best Picture winning four Oscars tonight. Yeah, I think this was a great move for the Academy in general, just not because of a political thing, but I think that they're finally starting to realize that, like, I know that they've had a foreign film section for a long time, but they're finally starting to realize that there are great films that aren't made in the United States. You know, um, it's like... I feel like ever since the beginning of Hollywood, it's kind of been like Hollywood in L.A. is like where it's at, right? And if your movie isn't made there, it kind of doesn't exist. Like, I don't think as an American person, I can name like five foreign films off the top of my head. No, I can't either. You know what I mean? And so I think that this was just like a great um, way to sort of celebrate that. And also, I haven't seen the film, but I've obviously heard amazing things about it no i haven't seen the film either but i think i want to think i want to watch this and maybe give a little bit of a review next week for our show yeah that would be fun yeah because i'm, I'm seeing it all over social media i mean wow this movie's amazing you know so i would think i'm gonna bandwagon on this one and see what all the hype is about because yeah. it seems pretty great and i mean it won awards so yeah well i i also think it's important too because you're kind of seeing it was a um, south korean film correct Mm -hmm. i think it's also important that we here in america sort of like don't just look at the world through like our own eyes and we're kind of seeing it even in film form um through the eyes of other people and like seeing how people live in other parts of the world even if it's fictionalized i think is um important you know and especially having having people from another country tell their own story for us to see too is important instead of us just like deciding what the narrative is going to be for them. Yeah, I definitely, I, I do not think that the United States is the only place with talent. So yeah, totally. <laughs> I mean, I think there's talent all over the world and I think it's time to start recognizing that. So yeah, thumbs up to the Oscars for that one. Yeah, yeah. And I, I know that um, the video of the director of the, of the film uh, receiving the award was so emotional, and everybody really loved that. So that was awesome. Thank you so much. When I was young and studying cinema, there was a saying that I carved deep into my heart, which is the most personal is the most creative. 그 말은, uh, <laughs> that quote was from... Uh, our great Martin Scorsese. So, 
Um, so we want to give you kind of an update, too, on coronavirus. Um, I know that um, it's progressively gotten worse in other parts of the world, and um, there are a lot of people reacting to it in different ways. Um, there's one, there's a story out there right now about, uh, British rapper Stormzy has postponed all of his, Mm -hmm. um, his, uh, shows in the continent of Asia, pretty much, I think, uh, Mongolia and, uh, Korea and other places, um, because of, uh, the epidemic. Yeah, Louise, I also want to add that the New York Times released an article this morning suggesting that the number of the new coronavirus cases reported in China over the past week might have been slowing down and that the containment efforts they were working on the containment efforts but they they're not too sure that that's true so what Mm -hmm. was being said was that officials added 14,840 new cases to the tally of infected um infected with the disease alone bringing the total up to 48,206 which is the largest one-day case increase on the record so far wow that's insane. You know what I think I've really taken away from this whole um, virus epidemic is like there are so many places in the world that have so many people in them and you don't even know they exist. Like the place um, like for at least in America, because we're so I feel like we're so unaware of, of things outside of America sometimes because like, you know, before this whole epidemic, I didn't even know Wuhan was a, a place. Right. You know, and it's the city is larger than New York City. Right. You know. Um, but, you know, we're also seeing uh, a lot of crazy things going on with, um, for example, the Princess Cruise ship that has been uh, the, the people there on the ship. They've been stuck for, I think, a couple weeks now and they haven't been able to leave. And it's sort of just like a movie. You're watching these people um, just sort of, you know, you're seeing it on social media too. people being stuck on this ship, not being able to get off. If there is someone severely sick, they have to transfer them in like a, a bubble basically out of the out of the ship. It's just crazy. Yeah, I, I don't think it's right to be making memes about people who are literally quarantined on a ship for yeah. weeks on yeah. end. So I don't find anything funny. I find it now this might be a big statement. I find it a bit ignorant, honestly, because if this if these were if this was a ship of majority American people, we would not have the same reaction. Right. You know, I think I think that there's that whole thing, you know, there's been obviously there's been a lot of jokes and memes come out about coronavirus and you know, as much as you want to, like, say, you know, we're, we have free speech and, like, it's, you know, joke is a joke and all these things, right? I think that it's fair to say that people use humor to, like, cope with things that are scary, you know? And that's fair and everything. But I think there comes a point when you have to realize, like, the death toll so far right now with this disease is higher than it was when SARS broke out. And SARS was a huge deal. Like, people were so afraid um, when that happens. So I think that maybe um, we should have a little bit more compassion. I don't know. No, no, I'm I'm in the same boat. I totally agree. Boat was not supposed to be a pun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was a poor choice of words, but that's not what I meant. <laughs> so anyway, um, what else is going on? Let's see, New Hampshire. So New Hampshire happened. I know that we have... Um, we have uh, Nevada coming up next uh, in the primary schedule, which is going to be a caucus. So that's going to be interesting seeing uh, what they do with that, because we know the last caucus went so great. The reporting of the results and circumstances surrounding the 2020 Iowa Democratic uh, Party caucuses were unacceptable. As chair of the party, 
I apologize deeply for this. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, so seeing what happens in the, in the Nevada caucus is going to be crazy. But um, in New Hampshire, we did have uh, we did have Bernie Sanders came out on top by a very, very small margin. I think it was like a, a little over a percent and a half he won by um, over Pete Buttigieg, which is just crazy considering how um, how much he won New Hampshire in the last election. Um, I think he won he won considerably over Hillary Clinton. And to see that he um, only polled a percentage and a half in a state that's practically his home state, I mean, Vermont's right next door, um, was unsuspected. I, I expected him to do a little bit better, maybe, but um, still a win for him. And uh, he was happy about it. I know he made a big announcement. So The reason that we won tonight in New Hampshire, we won last week, in Iowa. It's because of the hard work of so many volunteers. And let me say tonight that this victory here is the beginning of the end for Donald Trump. And so lastly, you know, everybody, happy Valentine's Day. Oh. You know, if you didn't go out and if you if you have somebody or you even have a friend and you didn't, I think it's fair to give flowers to friends. Yeah. You know, but if you if you have somebody in your life and you forgot to tell them I love you today, what are you doing? Like, get on that. Now, but do you tell everyone in your family happy Valentine's Day? I actually do. Valentine's Day. I can't believe I didn't say this, but like Valentine's Day is actually my favorite holiday. Oh, why? Because... I think there's just something really great about having a day where you can just like unapologetically tell someone in your life that you love and care about them. It doesn't have to be like a romantic thing, right? It's just I think that it should be a time of day kind of like Christmas, I guess, or like any holiday that you celebrate where you tell somebody, you you take the time out of your day to tell people around you, you know, I love and care and appreciate you. And it doesn't always have to be a romantic thing. That's so nice. That's what I like about it. I have two favorite days of the year. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you want to know what mine Is it one your birthday? No, I really okay. wish that one didn't happen. Um, so my two favorite... <laughs> I'm kidding. So two favorite days in the year. So it's the day after Valentine's Day when all the candy's on sale in the day. <laughs> and the day... I mean, I mean, relatable. And the day after Halloween when even more candy's on sale. <laughs> so I'm guessing that you like candy. I love candy. What's your favorite? Like Butterfinger. Butter- it's so That's underrated. That's a really good choice. I feel like people for peanut butter people always go for Reese's, but like they forget that Butterfinger is a peanut butter staple. Yes, and, and you know what? Like I hate when people are like, "Ew, you like butter." <laughs> <laughs> who, who says that? You'd be surprised. I've never seen someone turn down a Butterfinger in my life. Uh, my, you have not met my people. Uh, um, but no, Valentine's Day. I mean, Valentine Day, Valentine's Day is a bit different for me. Um, yeah, you should talk about that a little bit, because I know you just recently got, like, kind yeah. of engaged. Yeah, I'm engaged. Um, so, yeah, Valentine's Day, growing up, um, I'm a Middle Eastern Muslim woman, never been in a relationship so prior to this because my culture and religion practice things a bit differently i won't get into the ethics of it because i can be here all day and people still won't understand it we'll so bring your mom on i'm sure <laughs> she'll just tell you we don't date 
Yeah. <laughs> or something like that. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, it's weird because this is technically like my first, I'm putting quotes with my fingers, Valentine's Day where I actually have a Valentine. So it's yeah. like, how do you act? <laughs> what do you do? I don't, I don't know how this works. Yeah. I, I never, I thought I was going to be alone for the rest of my life. I <laughs> do you think your fiance has anything planned? Like, are you guys going out? Or like, do you think he's going to surprise you or anything like that? You know, he's very romantic, which Aww. is weird because I'm not <laughs> romantic at all. Like, not even in the slightest. <laughs> I told him my favorite color was purple once. And the next time I saw him, he showed up at, like, he showed up with a bouquet of purple roses and he went to four different flower shops to try to find them yeah yeah you said you look like you loved it i i mean i did of course but i was like dude i'm not romantic yeah oh my god yeah no that's really cool that you could like it's it's like a first thing um did you were you in elementary school in the u.s yes i is did you do, like, the whole, like, you make a Valentine's Day box mm. and then you got candy? Of course. I loved it. I yeah. Mean, I just get candy. Did you ever have, like, a really cool box? You know what I hated? Okay, I hated when, um, this is going off the rails a little bit, but I hated when you had a friend in the class and their parents helped them make their Valentine's Day box and it was really cool. <laughs> And your box was just a shoe box <laughs> that you colored with crayons and markers. Because mine was always just like a shoe box with my name on it that I thought was really cool. And then I'd come to like I'd come to class and my friend would have like a hotel with a candy elevator and like something candy cool. elevator. I don't know something crazy like okay. that. You know what I mean? Something really cool that obviously their parents totally one hundred percent made for them. Oh, well, let me make you feel so better a bit. Let me make you feel better a bit. I never brought a box. I just used to use a Ziploc bag. <laughs> <laughs> and you it know? wouldn't even be one for my house. The teacher would feel bad and give me. <laughs> yeah. I do feel that does make me feel a little bit better. Uh, but yeah, this is just a reminder to everybody out there, you know, <clears throat> guys and gals, it doesn't matter who you are. Um, you know, go out and if there's somebody that you know, you like, you can, you can, you know, send them a note or whatever you do. But also if you're just like in a friendship and you want to say, hey friend, I appreciate you for being there for me. One, you know, 360, 365 days a year, you know, it's good to, um, good to tell them that you appreciate them and maybe get them like a little something. Yeah. I mean, I, one time I parked at the train station to come down here for school because I live in the suburbs and um, I actually parked next to one of my friends on Valentine's Day, so I mm-hmm. wrote like a post-it note saying, Happy Valentine's Day since we're both single. <laughs> <laughs> Stuck it on her car. I think singles that's what that's my biggest thing is like everybody has this thing of singles awareness day, right? They they you either it's either Valentine's Day for you or it's singles awareness day. But the thing is, I feel like singles awareness day, it's fine, that's cool. But also, you know, it, it's still an opportunity to not be selfish <laughs> and you know do something for somebody so yeah so i think that's what we'll we'll leave you with and up next you're going to hear an interview with uh, two of our colleagues at the columbia chronicle and they just put out their sex issue that they put out every single year and they did a very fun feature um photo project with people showing off their orgasm faces so if you want to stick around and listen to how uh they went about doing that project then listen in right here on wcrx fm you're listening to in the loop
Welcome back to In the Loop on WCRX-FM, Chicago's Underground. I'm Louise Nets. Yasmin and I spoke with Columbia Chronicle Director of Photography Mike Rundle and Senior Video Editor Ignacio Calderon about their project featuring a creative take on the portrait. They captured the orgasm faces of young people just in time for Valentine's Day. It's February here in 2020, and everybody knows what that means on campus. It's time for the sex issue at Columbia Chronicle. Joined with us now is Director of Photography, Mike Rundle, and Senior Video Editor, Ignacio Calderon, to tell us all about the sex edition here we have with us. So, we always look forward to this. It's Valentine's Day. Mm -hmm. So, what's the big story from this issue? What's the big O? Yeah, well, that was a perfect way to lead into it, I think. You know, I mean, yeah, the sex issue is something the Chronicle does every year. And uh, this year we wanted to, uh, we, we were very graphics heavy this year, so we wanted to uh, introduce some sort of really interesting um, photo content. And this series about the big O is sort of where we landed. And, uh, and you know, just to jump right into it, it basically this, this series is uh, a, a selection of photos of Columbia students making their orgasm face on camera. So it's very thematic uh, for the sex issue, of course. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was very exciting to make. So you guys didn't just work on the media for this. Um, you also came up with the idea. Can you tell us a little bit about, like, how the idea came, for, like, came to you? Yeah, so I mean, it was something that uh, last year, because I've been at the Chronicle for the for last year's sex issue as well, and um, you know, I was just trying to come up with something that was uh, you know visually interesting. It was going to be interesting photographs, and, uh, and that's just sort of where we landed with this, uh, and something that was also related to sex for the sex issue, of course. Um, and like, I think the hardest part was trying to find people to actually participate in this. Uh, because, you know, it's a, sort of a really strange ask to just, like, walk around. And... Right. It's also, like, somebody, even if they're kind of making fun of it in a way, it's sort of, um, you know, you have to be willing to be vulnerable. Right. You know? Yeah, exactly. And that was, I mean, and that was something that we were very upfront with going into it. You're like, hey, like, this is what we're doing. Like, we obviously don't want to make anyone uncomfortable at all in any, in any way or in any step along the process. Um, but, yeah, we were very happy with what we ended up with, so... So, Ignacio, what did you do for this story? <laughs> like, you recorded this visually, and this is out today. So what exactly did yes. you do? So I really like Mike's idea for the photos, but now this year we're going to uh, do a heavy emphasis on the video side as well. So we set up um, two different cameras. One was a slow motion camera for uh, the video. So we're having the video today, and you're going to see the reactions. Um, and when it was like very raw, you're going to see the entire setup and the photos. But at the end, you're going to see all the faces of the people in slow motion, which I think is like, very interesting because everyone oh has... Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's sort of goofy. I mean, not everyone has done this before, so uh, you can see it's all, like, raw emotions for the faces. Do you have any... Did you have any moments when you guys were working on this um, this feature where you kind of, like, second-guessed yourself or were you just totally into it? I mean, I, for me personally, there was some second-guessing just because, like... The whole thing for me is like we we had talked about it in the office and it was like um, you know it was something that was like obviously going to be interesting to look at, um, but obviously we were also very 
uh, concerned and focused on making sure people were comfortable with the whole process. And, um, so, you know, again, that goes back to like us being very open with like, hey, this is what we're doing. Like, we just want to get like, make sure you are well aware of what's going to be happening, like from the start. And, uh, yeah, I mean, for me, I think that was the most important thing was just making sure people were like very aware and very, um, you know, cognizant of what we were going to be doing and where it was going to end up. Now, were you surprised that this story went through? <laughs> because I would, I would told if I was working in the newsroom, I would totally think nobody's gonna do this. Like, yeah. who in their right mind's gonna participate in this? I think there were a lot of people who just laugh up front because they they didn't expect that we were gonna do this story. But at the end, we we got the amount of people we wanted to. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and there's some like crazy stuff that comes through in the sex issues. So like, I mean, I I think this was like pretty much on par for with all the other content that we had in there. So. Did you have any particular moments with anybody that you was like memorable? Um, I mean, we, one of the questions we asked to start with to sort of break the ice was like, "Do you have any funny sex stories?" And that was always like. A, a just you never knew what you're gonna get like obviously like some in the issue like we have you know people talking about like some goofy sounds that were being made and you know, things like that so uh you never knew what you were gonna get when you're asking people for these stories i don't know ignacio if you had yeah same i mean the other uh questions were a little more deeper like pressures on society and things like that but this one the first one like it was completely unexpected all the mm -hmm. answers you could get yeah do you think that our generation, specifically millennials, um, do you think that our openness to sex issues makes art like this possible? Because I do consider it, even though um, you're both journalists, I do consider it art, too. Mm. Yeah, I, definitely. I mean, um, the theme of the issue overall this year was destigmatize. And I think that, you know, something like this kind of goes hand in hand with, you know, people actually being willing, like you said, to participate in something like this. And I mean, Columbia itself, you know, would I think in general uh, likes to sort of pride itself on being an inclusive campus. And, um, you know, that goes for us at the Chronicle, too. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I would definitely say that with how things are changing in society, that something like this probably wouldn't be wouldn't be possible or would be, you know, much more shocking than it is perhaps, you know years ago speaking of shocking was anybody shocked by this and had a problem with it did you get any backlash or yeah tell you're not in your head tell us I what mean, no i mean i wouldn't say backlash it was just like when we were asking people a lot of people were like no why would i ever want to do that sort of thing <laughs> um and like because obviously i mean that's a very private thing so mm -hmm. like a lot of people obviously aren't going to share that um but i think as it to in terms of that i think that was pretty much uh all that we encountered Something I noticed about the piece, too, is I think you guys did a really good job of including or thinking about keeping diversity in mind when you were going through this. And I know that that was sort of a struggle at the beginning. Could you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, I mean, that was one of the goals for the whole thing was to make sure we were representing uh, Columbia's campus as accurately as possible. Um, so, of course, we wanted to um, make sure that we had you know, uh, everyone involved in the series from different walks of life, you know, uh, whether it be race, ethnicity, whether that be sexual orientation, things like that. Um, but I think where we landed was a good spot. And, um, and it, yeah, I think it was, I think what we did overall was successful and definitely uh, uh, interesting for the viewers. And also, you know, kind of added to that, that overall theme of destigmatizing sex and, um, you know, making your orgasm face in public, so... 
So what was it like actually capturing these photos? <laughs> what, was going, <laughs> what was this process? Walk us through this. Mm, yeah, so we would have, uh, we had some studio space reserved and we would have anyone that was participating come in and, uh, you know, get our lights set up and things like that. And, uh, you know, the whole time just kind of conversing, making, making sure everything's good to go. And uh, we would start off and just go through the questions and, um, and have Ignacio would be making the video. And, um, yeah, I mean, just go through. And our last question in the set was, have you ever faked an orgasm? And then that just sort of, like, led us into actually making the photos. Um, so, and something that, a technique that we used um, to also create something for the video piece as well was just shooting, like, bursts of uh, photos. Um, at like high rates of speed so you could kind of play it back in sort of like a stop-motion sort of thing um, Yeah, I mean and that, that did catch some people off guard because it's kind of like it makes a little bit of noise uh, And it's like a lot of photos at one time and when there's a lot of things happening of course in this sort of thing um, uh, It can you know be surprising but Ignacio and if you want to talk about uh, sort of the video aspect Yeah, uh, I think it was interesting. We had all these light setups and um, I never like until like halfway through the, the entire process, I didn't actually step in where the people were for the video, and I was like, I kind of shocked, like looking two cameras and two two of the big lights, and like it's sort of scary maybe for a few people that like, talk about these subjects when there are these like huge setup. But I think uh, you did a really great job like talking them to like very ease them into the conversation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, like I totally understand like. Like, I think one of the things that we mentioned in the article was, like, it could be considered as, like, some of Columbia's bravest students because, like, you step up there and there's, like, these super bright lights and, like, multiple cameras and, like, you're up here talking about, like, super private stuff. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, like, big, big respect for all the people that were involved. Now, did you get any uh, positive emails after people read this article? Uh, we, we did get a few emails from people that participated in it actually saying, like, hey, like, we're, like, you know, thank you so much for having me. Like, I'm glad that... You know, we were, you were included and had the representation and things like that. And, um, you know, we were comfortable the whole time. And uh, so that was obviously a really good thing to hear. And I'm glad that we could, um, you know, make people feel that way. Did you find anything out through your interviews with these people, sort of? I mean, you must have noticed some patterns. I'm sure when you asked the question, like, did you fake any or have you faked any orgasms? Like, I'm sure more women answered yes mm -hmm. than men. Mm -hmm. Was there anything that sort of was sort of revealed through this um, this mm -hmm. project for you? I think the answers were very diverse. Um, I think it just reflects like um, the entire campus. I mean, I would I, I didn't think there were any like very strong patterns as for any of the answers. Um, mm -hmm. What do you think? I mean, some of it, like uh, some of the more general questions we asked was like, did you ever feel any pressure around sex and things like that? And um, that one, you know, yields a variety of answers, but I think the general consensus was yes. Um, and just like from a societal standpoint, like, you know, I mean, it's like, it's like, it's cliche to say, but like, you know, sex sells, sex is everywhere sort of thing. Um, and I think a lot of people sort of, you know, agreed with that and felt that. Um, but then again, a lot of people didn't feel that way because they, uh, you know, for uh, one reason or another, were very confident in their sexuality, whether it was like they had a partner that was very supportive or if, you know, they were part of a community that was very supportive of, you know, their whatever sexual activity they were engaging in. Um, but yeah, I mean, and so overall, I guess there were a few patterns in terms of, um, you know, greater societal trends and things like that. Um, but I think the the really exciting thing about the whole process was that each answer, w answer was... Um, very unique and individual to each person. 
So can we talk about the layout of the page? Because I think it's very creative. How, tell us the process behind that. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it was basically just born out of like the big O and trying to think of ways to utilize, you know, something big and an O <laughs> just to like be straightforward about it. Um, and so, yeah, we ended up with, you know, the obviously using the space inside of the O um, to put the text on the page. And uh, yeah, and then just on the facing page had the, the photos and a grid layout and um, um, just gave it some room to breathe, some more white space on the outside. Um, but uh, yeah, I think it's a very striking way to put something on a page. Now, when you came up with the title, was it hard? Because I would, I would just think, like, you know, you look at this page and you're just like, oh, that's so creative. But, you know, at the same time, like, is that something that came to mind yeah. right away? It's I, such a it's such a big piece, so you'd have to think of, you know, right. really something that really get people's attention. Right, yeah. I think it was kind of, it was also came from, we have, like, a shared Pinterest board that we also kind of bounce ideas off of each other as far as, like, page layout in the office, things like that. And I think there was one that had some sort of, like, very large letter on the page and I think that's just sort of where it clicked I was like oh we could make that work with like the big O and it's like you know it works in all facets so that's where we came up with so in the end what do you want people to take away from this project I think I think what the main message I guess would be to take away is um, and it kind of goes back to the variety of answers that we got from everyone um, with the questions that we were asking um, is like, you know, we highlighted in the article that there were some people that had, you know, this, you know, interesting stuff that they wanted to try in the bedroom. And some people were, you know, out to, you know, kind of make people, you know, think differently about, um, you know, their traditional thoughts about sex and certain people and how they identify. And um, yeah, I think the, the most important thing is that again, it kind of goes along with the theme of destigmatize. You know, I mean, there's all of these people with all these different walks of life and all these different backgrounds that have all these different experiences. And I think that um, is super important to highlight um, just like in journalism and, you know, just in, in general, um, just talk about that, uh, you know, everyone has a story to tell and even everyone has, you know, a different orgasm face. And that sounds goofy to say, but like, you know, um, everyone's experiences are different. And I think that's something exciting and important to highlight. If you want to see the photos and check out the article, The Big O in the Columbia Chronicle, you'll be able to find it on our Twitter at WCRXFM and at the Columbia Chronicle website, www.columbiachronicle.com. You can also check out the video of the orgasm faces in slow-mo on the Columbia Chronicle YouTube channel. This is In The Loop on WCRX-FM. Welcome back to In The Loop on WCRX-FM. I'm Louise Netz, and today I got to sit down and talk with Hannah Pope, guitarist and vocalist for the Chicago band Indigo Flood. We discussed the lineup changes her band has been going through, adding a brass section sound to a blues-based band, her biggest musical influences, and what Indigo Flood is looking forward to in 2020. 
Did you like, where are you from? So you came to Chicago from Chicago? Are you from the suburbs or somewhere else? I'm from Minneapolis. Oh, right. Okay, cool. And do you think that being like being from Minneapolis, obviously here, it's been such a warm winter. Definitely. Like, I don't, I'm sure you're like, this is so much better than where I'm from right now. Because I'm from North Dakota, so I know everybody's complaining about it being like 30 degrees outside. But for me, I'm like, this is amazing. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Every Whenever someone complains about the weather here, I'm like, this is nothing. <laughs> this is nothing. <laughs> well, it's not nothing, but it's definitely warmer than it is at home. Yeah. So you've been talking about, like, you guys are moving your band's sound around a little bit. Like, it's not... You're kind of switching up the lineup, introducing some new instruments. How would you describe that, and what is, what's the band sounding like now? I think now the band has a lot more dynamics in our songs and our songs go different places than they did before instead of just sounding like one specific thing which is really cool and um, especially with the horns we have um, a killer um, saxophone player named Devin and he does our saxophone or horn arrangements for everyone so far and it's been really great to work with him and see how he comes up with different things that I could never have thought of myself. Yeah, totally. I think um, if you know the Chicago band Whitney, which I feel like has been kind of popular, they have they have their, um, uh, I think their trumpet player or just brass player started like a new jazz collective that's been really cool and seeing him like kind of go in that direction has been awesome. So your band's sound before was like more, it was definitely more blues based. Is it still that way now? Yeah, and that's like the more, that's the direction we're trying to go further down. Mm -hmm. um, we're really inspired by the Tedeschi Trucks band. Um, and you guys just saw them, right? Yeah, yeah. How was that? My roommate that? and I just saw them. It was, I didn't know that music could do that to, yeah. <laughs> to me. Like, I knew, obviously I knew the show was going to be phenomenal, mm -hmm. but I didn't realize how powerful they could make certain things just... With um, the type of music they make, it's very alive and soulful, but it's got this grit to it. Yeah. And it's really, I think it really speaks to a lot of different kinds of people. And totally. it's so big and powerful, but it's not flashy or anything like that. Yeah, definitely. They're, and what was it like seeing a band like them in a place like the Chicago Theater? So... They are my favorite band. Yes, yeah, so you're time. like anywhere is great. <laughs> and the well, it was amazing because it was just this beautiful theater and this really down to earth band. And they don't really well, I'm not. I wouldn't say they don't care, but they don't really focus on like like stage presence as much or like what they're wearing as much yeah it's all about the music and the message they're portraying and that really comes across really powerfully in what they're doing and to see that at such a magnificent theater was really cool to see cool and so there's such a big influence on you like who else would you say are your biggest influences or your bandmates biggest influences too um freddie king cool. is a big one the Isley Brothers, uh, Bobby Blue Bland, for sure. Steve Ray Vaughan definitely is a big yeah. one. Yeah. When did you start playing guitar? I started playing guitar when I was 10. Um, so now I'm 20, so like 10 years ago. I didn't necessarily play 
a whole lot throughout that entire time, but I got more into it, like, sophomore, junior of high school. Did your parents get you, like, guitar lessons, or were they super into music, or how did you follow that at such an early age, too? I think, I mean, it sounds kind of cheesy, but it's just, like, something I felt like I wanted to do. Yeah. And I was like, I want to go to the guitar store. And it yeah, kinda, cool. And it kind of came out of nowhere. I mean, I have family members who play guitar, but I didn't really know a lot about it until I after I started playing. Mm-hmm. Um, my parents aren't super musical. Um, I didn't grow up listening to what I listen to right now. Yeah, me neither. At all. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> but they were always really supportive of what I was doing, which was really nice. And yeah. I'm really thankful for that. Cool. Yeah. And um, so your most, what was your, what's your guys' most recent release or most recent thing you've been working on? Um, the most recent thing we've been working on was, well, kind of scaling back from, um, writing. Well, we took a break over break (laughs) because we were all at home and we're all from all over. And, um, we added the horn section, uh, trumpet, alto sax, tenor sax, and we added keyboard and, um, just a big change that is settling in for us and it's it's we're giving it the time that it needs to really get its feet on the ground and I'm excited to see where it goes. No that sounds really amazing it really sounds like I think a lot of young people are looking for something kind of new in the rock scene too and just hearing you say like you're gonna add these new instruments is like really really exciting um also just getting that many people on stage has got to be like a fun time. (laughs) Um, finding a place for everybody to stand. But I just thought of, um, too, going back to kind of like growing up and learning to play the guitar. I know that a lot of people have been saying in recent years that the guitar is kind of like going out of style, especially for younger kids. Um, And it just, it makes me happy to hear somebody who was like, yeah, I was this, I was like a young kid and I wanted to go into the guitar store. Because I feel like that's kind of going away. Yeah, I mean, I don't know because I'm not a young kid anymore. Yeah. But I don't, I know a lot of people say guitar is dying, which I disagree with um, because of just so many incredible artists um, coming up with new inventive ideas with guitar that, that I just never really heard stuff quite like. Yeah. And still like rooted in influences and like blues too. There are so many. Um, new directions that blues is going in right now, like a blue, like blues fusion, which yeah, is cool. so cool. Um, yeah, I don't think it, I don't think it's going out of style. I mean, I hope not. Yeah. <laughs> um, so like coming from Minneapolis, what was it like to be a blues fan and kind of move into the kind of the blues center of the world still in the, in the United States, at least? Um, uh, I was Was really... it intimidating? It wasn't that intimidating just because, well, I'm not, I'm not old enough to go to like the blues jams because yeah. I'm not, because I can't get in yet. Yeah. <laughs> but I think it's actually really, um, it's really nice because blues is such a welcoming genre and there's no ego in blues and there, there's not, I mean, there are probably a lot of blues fans in the music department at Columbia, but there's not 
a whole lot of people who are like, oh, I just want to play blues. And so when I met um, Tiago, our lead guitar player, mm -hmm. it was really cool because I could share, I found someone who I could share my love of blues with and I was like super, it just was so nice to be able to know that someone else understood where I was coming from with how much I loved and was obsessed with blues. Yeah, that's <laughs> really cool. Um, so what's it like for a young band to be like in such a big city here in the music scene? I know you like can't get into, you were just saying you can't get into some of the clubs, but it's like, what's what's it like to be like verging on such a big city? I think um, it's really cool to think about because the blues scene is going in such a cool direction right now, and it's cool to think about becoming a part of that. And, um, I mean, we practice at our music center at school, which is so nice that we're able to do that. And um, one thing that I found a, a difficult is that um, since we have such a large band, it's not always good or it doesn't always work for us to play t like smaller house shows, which is where a lot of new bands start out right. when they start booking. And so we've been trying to uh, work around certain things and just trying to be able to play wherever we can because it doesn't really matter to us like what genre typically draws people to these house shows. And I think we, we definitely have a unique sound for that area right. but I think it would be really cool if um, we could start playing those house shows so that more people could be exposed to blues and see like how beautiful it is. Yeah totally and I think that's really cool that you're kind of like bringing the genre updating it and then bringing it to a new generation because um, it's such an like iconic American art form. So um, what are you looking forward to in 2020? I'm looking forward to performing. Performing is my favorite thing and when you feel that connection with your bandmates and with the audience, there's no better feeling than that. Cool. And do you do you have any memories like from your band so far that really like stick in your mind? Any um, moments? Well, actually, at one of our rehearsals last week, we were writing this song, and the groove just wasn't working. And then we we changed like one thing, and it. It, I don't, it made the groove like really funny for some reason and we just all like started laughing so hard for some reason <laughs> because it like, the groove like imitated like a rhythmic way that a teacher said something in class one time and so we just kept <laughs> it in the song and it just fits really well and that, I mean that was the most recent thing I could think of. It That's probably, awesome. probably doesn't sound that funny when I'm saying it right now but it was just like one of those times where you had to be there. Was anybody recording? Yes. <laughs> yes. Do you have it? I do. Should we play it? Sure. <laughs> you should send it to me and we'll I play will. it for everyone I and will. we can all laugh <laughs> at you. much for stopping in to In The Loop and we're really looking forward to seeing you out there in 2020. Yeah, thank you. Cool.
newest part of In The Loop, you could find us on iTunes and Spotify. You can also find WCRX on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at WCRXFM. Or you can go to our website, wcrxfm.colum.edu. Everyone, welcome back. This is Yasmin Chico and Louise Nets with In the Loop on WCRX FM. It is now time for our favorite part of the week: social media sensations, where we talk about our favorite moments that we've seen on social media this week. Are you ready for this, Louise? Yeah, I'm ready. Okay. I've got a couple. So, but did you want to go first? Oh man. Are yours political? Because yours are always really funny. One of mine is. One of mine is. Oh, let's get the politics out of the way. So the first one actually just came out today, and it's there's this great video going around, and we're gonna post it on the WCRX FM Twitter, so you can follow us there. But it's a video of um, presidential candidate Pete Buttigieg raising the roof. He's doing the. He's doing the raising the roof like uh, you know dance move, but it's so awkward like i don't think he's ever danced in his life like probably not even with his husband like never even their first dance never danced in his life i don't know but it's like it's almost like he i think he moves when he actually does like the raise motion he moves his arm like maybe a half an inch like it's so bad oh god bless him but you know it's 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 a great little tidbit out there it made me laugh you know my favorite part of the whole election process every four years or whatever it may be that anybody is being elected into any position is always the memes. Yeah. Like, it just, it, it's such a serious matter. Like there The are... Bernie Sanders comparison memes are coming back. Do you know what I'm talking about? The, Give like, me the one. blue screen ones where it's like, um, it'll be like a picture of Bernie and then a picture of another candidate and then an issue. And then it'll show like the two differences in their issues, right? It's like that meme is back. You know, this made, honestly, this little headline, like, kind of made Pete a little more relatable for me, because, like, I also can't dance. Uh-huh. So, you know. Me too. It, it, you know, it was relatable, at least. <laughs> well, let me say, we're in the same boat. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> That's why you can hear us and not see us. <laughs> well, I have a couple, actually. So, I don't know if you've seen those videos on social media of people claiming that NASA said today is the only day that a broom can stand up on a perfect angle. Oh my god, is it like is it called Broomgate now? I feel like it should be. I have no idea. I saw it. I tried it. I'm not gonna lie. I fell for it. it did not work. <laughs> my broom's old. It did you know, not a work. Lot of, I can't believe that like major news outlets picked up this story and said, guys, it's just because your broom is like straight. It's not. It doesn't have anything to do with the fact that like gravity <laughs> or whatever. Well, did you see people in Walmart were literally going to Walmart just to stand brooms up? 
people need to get a life. I'm not, I felt so gullible, though, because I was like, oh, my gosh, I have to try this. And yeah. I, like, actually went home. Well, okay, I saw it. The first time I saw it was at midnight after, like, a whole day of the meme, you know, happening. Yeah. And everybody's uploading it to, you know, Twitter and Instagram and whatnot. But I was like, oh, it's, like, 1230. I'm just going to go downstairs and try it. So I, I, I seriously, like, went and took the broom, and I'm, like, trying, like, a good 10 minutes to stand it up so I can, you know, follow the wave and, yeah. and do you it. You know what? It if, if, work. And if any of you listeners out there have a great broom pick, why don't you add us on Twitter yeah. so we can see? Yeah, so let us see at WCRXFM. Yeah. Yeah. So what's another one for you? Um, so the other one for me is uh, there was this photo that came out that won a contest. I think it was a, a wildlife um, photography contest of two rats fighting over, or they were mice, two mice fighting over some food in uh, the London tube. And it's just so beautiful. Like, I think the photographer's name is Sam Rowley. He won the Lumix People's Choice Award for Photographer of the Year, Wildlife Photographer of the Year. And it was just so Walt Whitman-y to me, like <laughs> having this idea of um, having like a beautiful poetic moment, but it's something, the subject matter is so not beautiful or poetic. Like it's, <laughs> it's you know, sewer mice. And it's it, the photo composition is just so great. It's so striking. And it's like, it looks like taxidermy, like a, a taxidermy recreation or, or maybe like um, Fantastic Mr. Fox style <laughs> like animals. But it's it's so great and awesome and beautiful. And I'm glad it's out there. Yeah, I saw it. And I thought it was I thought it was fake when I first saw it because yeah. it just like you would never see that, mm-hmm. you know, but it's beautiful. I absolutely loved it. Yeah. So I have another meme that I really liked. So I'm I'm trying to refrain so badly from downloading the app TikTok, but it, it just Don't might do happen. It. <laughs> Did you download it? No. It just might happen for me soon because there I I just every time I want to talk about a video, it just so happens to be a TikTok. So there is a video right now on TikTok by Snarky Marky and it is a moment that I swear to you probably. <laughs> probably all of us have experienced at some point in our life so a guy standing in front of a chroma key wall or a green screen or whatever you want to call it and it's a bus image behind him and he is standing on the bus pretending to be you know that middle school teacher that high school (laughs) or high school elementary whatever you want to call it and they're just talking about how the students on the bus are too loud. And I just thought it was absolutely hilarious. Um, here's a clip. Ladies and gentlemen, the volume inside of this bus is astronomical. It is way too loud. And to Tammy, on behalf of myself and the rest of my sixth grade class, I am truly sorry for being disruptive to your driving. And for all of you, as you exit this bus, you will all formally apologize to Tammy. (laughs) I thought it was absolutely hilarious. I just, I could not stop laughing because it brought me back to like the third grade. When everybody always had to apologize when, to the bus driver. Yeah, for when being one too person loud. did something and then everyone suffered. Yeah. You will apologize to Tammy on <laughs> the way out. I just I could not stop laughing at that one. Uh, no, that was great. That was great. Yeah. 
So I think that's the end of the show for this week. Um, Tune in again next week, Friday, 3 to 4 p.m. on WCRX-FM to hear me, Louise Nets. And me, Yasmin Chica. On In The Loop. And you could follow our personal accounts at... Mine is at Yasmin Chica. And mine is at Lou Nets. Thank you for listening. And see you again next week. Bye. A big thanks to Hannah Pope, Ignacio Calderon, and Mike Rundle for being such lovely guests on the show today. If you like In The Loop and you want to re-listen to episodes, the show is available in podcast form on iTunes and Spotify. You can also find our social media sensations every week on Facebook and Twitter at WCRXFM. And while you're there, go ahead and follow us. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week on In the Loop with Louise Nets and Yasmin Shika right here on WCRX-FM 88.1 Chicago.